Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. So tonight, um, Pastor Greg was talking about identity a little bit on Sunday, and um, when Morgan was here, I had, I had been kind of rolling around, okay, what am I going to talk about? Because I knew I was going to be doing one of the services. And she said several times, she said, you know, the devil's wanting a word in your mouth. And I was like, okay, bing, like I know, it just dropped. You know, when you're in the right place, there it is. It, it just shows up. And I was like, okay, that's it. I need to talk about authority. And it's something that I've been reading and rereading. I've been reading one of the guys that, um, I think it's John McMillan, that Brother Hagen read after when he wrote his book on Believer's Authority. Believer's Authority, how many of you guys have read Brother Hagen's Believer's Authority? A lot of you. Um, if you haven't, pick it up and read it. It's awesome. And then pick up John McMillan's book on Believer's Authority. He, he writes different. He's a different anointing than Brother Hagen, but his, he reminds me of the way, if you like John G. Lake and the way that he writes, to me it's very, it's just easy to read. To me it's very simple to read. Um, you'll really like it. So pick it up. Um, but I've been just reading on it, meditating on it, and so I knew I was going to do it at some point, but I really wasn't sure when, and then when Morgan said that, I was like, okay, I know I know that's what I want to do tonight, and I'm probably not going to get through all of it, but that's okay. I'll, we'll, I'll just pick it up again later. So let's turn Ephesians 6.12 to get started. So first, you know, what I was going to say before, I almost forgot, but the very first book that I picked up when I got, I got in fellowship with the Lord, and I was like, Lord, I need help because I'm not in church. I don't know where to go. I was living in Pittsburgh, and I was like 20, 20 maybe, 20 years old, 21, about, yeah, about 20 years old. No, I was a little older than that. Anyway, and I'm like, I need, I need you, and I was reading my Bible but I wasn't getting it. Like, I mean, I was getting a little, but I knew I needed help. I'm like, you know, a lot of this is just Greek to me. I can, you know, it's totally different for me um, in the beginning. And so I'm like, Lord, I, I need something. And I went, my parents had this like big, huge bookshelf with all these books. And um, so I went and I just started digging because I knew my mom had a bunch of Christian books. And I mean, she had the whole gamut of Christian books. <laughs> like the super flaky, <laughs> you know, the, there was some fun, like, end time books, but not necessarily stuff that was biblical, but, but anyway, I went straight and pulled out Believer's Authority by Brother Hagen, and I didn't even know who he was, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to read this one. I think I pulled out a C.S. Lewis book, too, and it was pretty good, but it wasn't, it wasn't Brother Hagen. It wasn't, on, you know, on a level that I could really receive and understand, and it's not the same anointing. C.S. Lewis is cool, but it's not the same. So I pulled out Believer's Authority, and I just remember being in my bedroom, 
and just crying. Just not, I mean, I was weeping. I was so blown away because everything in my heart that I wished was true, I found out was. Like everything you just dream of as a little kid, that, that the power that you could have in this life. I mean, how many of you guys, when you're little kids, you watch all the superhero movies and you watch, you watch, you know, the Cinderella story where everything turns out great. And you, you just know in your heart that things turning out great as possible. And then you start living your life and you're like, this this is horrible that's lies straight up lies from the tv and books and and you know because if you're just going to get run around if you don't know your authority and you don't know god the devil's just going to run you around and so i read that book and i was just blown away i was like i i can have power in my life i don't have to be run over every day like, this is amazing, and God's real, and he's not hard to access. It just, I was so, so, so blown away. So that was the first book that I ever read, and then I was like, yay, I'm going to get more books. I'm going to go to the bookstore and get more Brother Hagen books. I don't carry this stuff in the regular bookstores. <laughs> I didn't know that. I thought he was everywhere. I thought, oh, you know, he's everywhere. And, yeah, so I learned real quick, like, this is... You know, this is something special that needs to be everywhere, but it's not. So anyway, so what I'm going to talk about is authority. So you guys are in Ephesians 6.12. First, I'm going to just real quick go over a definition. I like to look up definitions. So one definition is the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. And remember that. The power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. A person or organization having power or control in a particular, typically political or administrative sphere. But I like the first one better. The power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. So let's read some scriptures that explain exactly what we have, and exactly where we're at. Because what you don't know, the devil will lord over you. You have to know. He takes advantage at every corner, what you don't know. So Ephesians 6.12. So this is is where we're at. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We're not wrestling against natural, carnal things. There is a spirit world, and it says we take it out, flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, Spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Those are the things that, that we're supposed to lord over. Amen? Ephesians 1.19. And what is the exceeding greatness, and these are some of the scriptures that Pastor Greg was talking about reading over ourselves, because these are things you need to have a revelation of in your life. 
And what is the exceeding greatness of the power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above. Here he's telling us, he's telling us where Christ is. And if you belong to Christ, this is where you are. Far, he didn't say just a little bit above. He actually emphasized it, said far above principality. Principalities just reign or territory. Far above a territory, principalities, and power, and might, and dominion. And it's basically where you have jurisdiction, where you have seniority. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that in which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, which means it's under your feet. And gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Turn to Ephesians 2, 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised us up together. He's raised us up with him. Made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship. Let me read it again. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I think that more clearly explains why we have authority. It's not just Christ. Most of the Christian world that loves God, believes in God, sees him as all-powerful, but they don't see themselves where they ought to. And Ephesians 2.4 just makes it really, really plain. Um, at the very end, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. You know, this place of authority for you is a predestined place. It is for you. He prepared it for you. He prepared it before you ever knew him. Before you even cared to know him. Um, my kids, pastors, making, you know, not making fun, but having fun talking about Jack and using him as an example in martial arts and stuff. Well, one of the things they do at the martial arts place is they put on the wall, um, like when you're, you're going through the color belts and you don't have your black belt yet, but you're working towards it, they put on the wall a black belt with your name on it. So every time you go in, you can look at it and go, that's where I'm going. You know, that's where I'm headed, and that's what I'm working towards. And it reminds you of where you're going to be, you know, essentially. So we need to meditate on these scriptures and remember 
you know, what we've been planned for, what God has predestined for us. He's planned it for us. Whether we cared or not, you know, back in the day, it's a place for us that we are supposed to walk in. We're designed to walk in. When things aren't working for you, it's because you're probably not walking in the place you're designed to. When you walk in the place you're designed to, it feels really good. It feels great. And God has, he has awesome authority for us. Turn to Ephesians 1, 3. So we need to make sure that we're meditating on the fact of where we sit and where we belong. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. This is, this is another thing to meditate on. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Before. That we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So if you're putting down scriptures, put that one down too. That one's a good one to keep reading and keep reminding yourself. So our, why is this so important? Why do we need to know? Well, our place of power and safety is from the fact that we sit in a seat far, far, far above as an untouchable. It's our place of power. It's our place of safety. When we abide in this place, and the key word there is abide, we are untouchable. When we abide in this place, the enemy is going to put forth all his efforts to unseating you from that place. And once you're out of your seat, your authority is gone. The devil can't do anything to you without your permission. That's the good news. The problem is we give him permission. And the, probably the number one culprit is we do it with our words. We declare over ourselves, which also means to proclaim, announce over our bodies, over our families. We say things that don't line up with what God has said. And then that is like, say that seat is up here. And you're sitting up there with Christ, and you're enjoying that, that place of safety. You're above all of that garbage that's going on below you. And you start speaking against what God has said. Might as well be arguing with him. You just got up out of your seat and came down amongst all the garbage. Yep. You unseat yourself. So... You, the good news is that you're the only one who can unseat you. Someone else can't do it. The devil can't do it. And I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but when, think about when Jesus was tempted and, and went out for 40 days, and the devil came, the devil came, all he could do was try to, try to unseat Christ by saying things to him and seeing how he would respond he does the same thing to us. He does the same thing. 
And, and we, if you'll meditate and abide on this, this place that God has predestined for you, you will realize when it's happening. You'll realize when he's given you that idea in your head and you're wanting to declare it and proclaim it over your life and say it, and you won't let it happen. You'll stop it. You'll say, no, no. <laughs> I'm in a high place. I'm in a healed place. I'm in a blessed place. I'm in the place where God predestined for me. He thought about me when he made it. Like, if you need to, just, um, I, most of you have reminders on your phone. And, and you, I don't know if you use them like I do. I, I, if, if I check them every day, then they're very helpful. And sometimes I don't, and then I'm in trouble. Um, but I'll put those reminders, certain things that, you know, um, certain parts of scriptures and things that, in the, you know, when I get up in the morning, things that I know I need to meditate on. And I'll put it on there and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to start my day remembering and thanking God for that place that I'm in, that he made for me, that it's for me, that place of authority. So do what you got to do because it's so easy to just go on autopilot and get up, get your coffee, go to work, get around people who say a bunch of foolish stuff. I mean, it's just, like I said, it's just, just autopilot. <laughs> Come home, you got your paycheck. I mean, if you don't purpose to do it, you won't. You'll, you'll, be, you'll be living amongst everyone else who's living far below where they could be, and you'll find yourself living in that place, and it's not designed for you. Amen? So turn to 1 John 3.1. So how do we abide in this place? Well, one of the things I said was, you know, meditating on some of these scriptures. But one of the things that helps me really picture, um, helps me have a better revelation of this is, number one, I put, remember who your daddy is. 1 John 3.1. Behold what manner the love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. So don't worry about it if people don't understand. Don't worry about it. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Turn to Galatians 3.26. So it said that we should be called children of God. He is your father. Remember who the devil's trying to mess with. <laughs> Say, no, I know who my father is. Galatians 3.26. And then remember who you are. I'm just like him. And he gave me his word, and he gave me his name to use, and I'm going to use it. Galatians 3.26, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 6.18, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Galatians 4.7, 
Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We're no longer slaves. What does a slave do? He doesn't have choices. He does what they tell him to do. And people who think they're doing their own thing, I'm just being me. I'm doing my thing. No, you're not. You're being a slave. You're doing what the devil's telling you. And he's making you think you're doing your own thing, but you really aren't. You're really doing his thing and furthering his purpose and his cause because he's the deceiver. It's what he does. He's sneaky. He's deceptive. Makes you think that you're making all the choices. People deep in their heart, they know. They know they're really not making the choices. Turn to John 1.12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So how do we get to be, how does he get to be our father? It's so, so simple. As many as received him, to those who believe in his name. God's given us everything, and he's made it so simple. He's just that good. So number one, how do we abide in that place? Remember who your father is. Number two, realize your God-given place. Realize your seat. Picture yourself sitting in that seat next, next to your father. You're seated with Christ. We have a lot of scriptures on it. So realizing your God-given place is just simply acceptance of what Christ gained and what the Father has bestowed upon us. We get to enjoy what Christ did and what the Father said here. You get to enjoy all this. You get to have it. It's simple acceptance. It's not hard. Just say, if somebody comes up, you know, some people are really bad receivers, actually. <laughs> Purpose not to be that. When someone wants to bless you, um, just take it. Just be like, thank you. You know, just, you know, don't be weird about it. You know, even if maybe you're, you feel bad because you're like, well, I didn't do anything. Don't worry about that. Just be a good receiver. It's important. It's important to the word. I mean, we could never do what God did or give. We can't outgive God. Just receive it and just say, I got this. This is awesome. I'm taking this. Anybody ever watch the old TV show? Um, is it The Prize, Prize is Right? Yeah. You guys probably don't even know what that is. <laughs> do you? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Where they, they call your name and then you run down and then you like spin the wheel and all that stuff. Is it still on? Okay, well, a lot of people don't have TVs anymore. Everything's like apps. But, um, you know, when, when they call those people and they come down, have you, like, if you've ever seen it, did you ever see any of them get up and they're like, okay. <laughs> what you got, you know? No. I mean, they, they might, there might be a couple of them that are like, you know, like me, you know, because they're shocked, but they're excited. You know, and they're like, yes. And they run down there and they're excited and they're excited to say what some stupid couch they think costs. <laughs> $3,000. Uh, 
Now it's like 300, you know. So anyway, so be excited. Be a good receiver. Be a good receiver. I hate when people aren't good receivers. And I am talking about myself too. I'm not judging anybody. (laughs) I have totally done that and been there, trying to be better about it. So number one, remember who your father is. Number two, realize your God-given place. Simply accept what God has given you. I know it's too good to be true, but it is true. It is true. As you start walking it out, you start seeing that this is real. This is true. God has everything I want, everything I need. So remember, you know, we're not fighting a foe. That's that first scripture I read to you. But we're simply holding over him an already established triumph that Christ gained for us. An established triumph, a victory, a win, a battle that already took place, an achievement, any of these words, whatever words it takes for you that it works for you. Sometimes the younger generation, the word victory, it's a little hard to uh, attach themselves to. I know I was like that because victory, seemed, I picture knights and armor and like medieval times and I have, a, I have trouble relating to that word. But battle, uh, achievement, some, you know, that's part of meditating on the word. Find the words that make it more understandable and relatable for you. It makes it easier for you in your time of meditation. But we're, we're holding over him an already established win, an established battle, an established victory, And it may take time because you're you're not going to just have faith victories every time you turn around the corner. But small victories, small wins in these areas, they will begin to build up. And it will become easier and easier and easier for you. Amen. So, third thing, remember to use your authority. Your authority doesn't do you any good if you're not using it. You've got to recognize what situations you need to use your authority in. Too many Christians pray for things that they shouldn't be praying for. Even ones, faith people who've heard the word. There are certain things that God has just said, it's yours, it belongs to you, and now you've got to exercise your authority and walk it out. And honestly, that would take like a whole nother, probably several uh, sessions of talking about to go over all that. But remember to use your authority. Um, One of the things when my kids, when they're little and they get sick, um, or even now, I don't pray that God will heal them. I don't, let me, let me pray for you, baby. Lord, please uh, heal him, her, Mia, Jack, or Nate, in Jesus' name. That is not what I do. I tell their bodies to get right, depending upon what it is, or I command that thing to leave, It's not going to be in my house. It's not going to hurt my kids. It's not going to stay. I take a stand, and I exert my authority. Those are my kids. 
They belong to me. They're in my arena of my authority. My body's in my arena of authority. I can do the same thing. I don't ask God to heal me. He's done it, and he's expecting me to do something about it. He's expecting me to take a stand against it, to not accept it, and not just cave every time a twinge of pain happens. Stand in faith, use my authority, tell it to go, and that's the fight of faith. Because you will take your authority, and then you'll take another step, and you'll be like, oh, that hurts. And the devil's just going to laugh, and he's going to wait, and he's going to see what you're going to do. He's going to wait. He's waiting to see what you're going to say. What are you going to do? You're going to fight the good fight of faith. You're not going to accept it. You're going to stand your ground. You're going to thank God. Thank God. I have my authority. Thank God. Jesus did this thousands of years ago, and it belongs to me. I don't care what it looks like. That's faith. I don't care what it feels like. You have to do this. You have to use your authority. And that's just one example of an area where you need to exert it over yourself, over your kids. Amen? So just whenever a situation comes up, just say to yourself, is this a situation where I should pray? Or is this a situation where I need to exert my authority? And if you're not sure, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Just say, Holy Spirit, what do I do? He's, he, you're not going to hear crickets. If you, now, if you might, <laughs> you might, if you really want the Holy Spirit's help, you have to be okay with whatever he says to you. Because he, do you think, does it make sense that everything he says to you is just going to be like, yay, and it's going to feel great? No, that is not common sense when we're human. It's not. There are things he's going to, if he's truly going to help us, he's going to correct us. He might correct your mouth, what you're saying. He might say, well, you know, get in your words last night from church. Get in your notes. Or maybe he's like, hey, you didn't take any notes. It would have been really good. It would have helped you. you know? <laughs> I mean, there's all kinds of things. He's going to tell you it might not feel real great. But if you truly want God's help, you really want the helper, then you have to be open to what he says. And it's not always going to be feeling real great. It's not going to, it's different though. It's not condemnation. There's a big difference in conviction over Oh, I knew I should have done that. Conviction, the Holy Spirit is not going to bring up to you something that you cannot change. I cannot emphasize this enough. Because when working with teenagers next door and having worked with parents for a long time, um, there are times when things come up and we need to talk to the parents and say, hey, this is, this is what we think could be a problem. And there's many times we're like, we see this, this is a problem, this has happened. A lot of times something, we sense something's wrong, we ask the Lord to reveal it, 
and there's the evidence plain as day, and we can take that. It's a lot easier that way. But there are times when things come up, and we, we, we know by the Spirit of God that this is something that this teenager is headed in the wrong direction if they continue on this path. And we cannot, they could sit us down and say, show me the evidence, and we are like, <laughs> well, if, you know, if we were in the court of law, it's going to be case closed because, like, not, you know, against me because I can't say I saw this, this, and this. You know, the Spirit of God will tell us stuff, and, and he, but he brings up stuff because it is absolutely changeable. If it wasn't, that's not God. He, he beats people down, the devil beats people down on things that they cannot change. That, you know, if it's something that is behind you, you know, your past, that's what he does. Things that you can't change. Because that's who he is. God's not like that. Now, it may be upsetting to face a situation especially if it's a family member, like, oh, I don't want to know this, you know. But if, if the Holy Spirit is bringing it up to you, just say, okay, thank him, and then say, what do I do? I guarantee you he will tell you. And if, you know, and we've helped people who don't know. They're, they're open, and they're like, okay. A lot of times parents are like, I sense something was wrong, but I didn't know what. This is a confirmation you know, and they're open, and the Holy Spirit will help them know what to do or help give us advice to help them or whatever. But he's never going to bring up something to you that is not changeable. So even though he tells you something that doesn't feel real great, um, work on it because it is possible because he's only trying to get you into a better place. He's only trying to get you into a place where you receive far, far more. He, he doesn't, who wants to see someone stumble that they love? Nobody. Nobody wants to see someone just stumbling around. It's, you know, that's just not how God is. So remember to use your authority. Remember when you don't know what to do, ask the Holy Spirit, what do I do? And he, he will tell you if you're open. He'll tell you. If you're listening and you're open, he will tell you. And the more you yield to what he says and the more you listen, the easier it gets to hear from him. Just easier and easier and easier. So we have examples in the Bible that you can meditate on. And three people that just instantly came up when I was studying. The first one was Moses, uh, Exodus 4, in that general area. Um, Moses held up the rod. God gave him that rod because he's like, how are they going to believe me? He was very, um, I don't think it's exaggerating to say very insecure when God called him to do what he needed him to do. I mean, he told God, I don't speak well. What am I going to do? And he was very nervous about it. And, and God was patient with him. He said, I'm going to give you Aaron. Aaron can speak. He will help you. And he said, I'm going to give you this rod, and you're going to hold it up. And it was God's authority that he was exerting and using in those situations. When he got to the Red Sea, boom, 
he exerted that authority, that God-given authority, and it worked. That sea parted. The second person that I thought of, so that's, that's a good one to meditate on. Second one was David, 1 Samuel 1740 in that area. Don't have time to read it. But, you know, David used his authority. He knew who his father was. He used his words to defeat Goliath. Everybody thinks it was the rock in the slingshot. <laughs> but really, he slung his words. He started slinging here before he ever got out there and physically did that. And he said, who are you? He knew who he was. Who are you? He knew he was a big nobody, Goliath. It's like, I'm, <laughs> I know who my father is. I know who's backing up these words that are coming out of my mouth. And I'm going to take this dinky rock, <laughs> sling it around, even though y'all have armor and swords and you're giants and I'm looking up to you like this. And I know it's going to work because he'd done it before. His small victories have built up to something so huge. He did this in front of tons of people, and everyone saw it. It was a huge victory. That's something good to meditate on, what, happened, what, what and how he did it. And Jesus was my next one, and I mentioned that earlier. Um, Matthew 4 is the area where the devil started talking to him and said, well, if you're really the son of God, just throw yourself down. You know, throw yourself down from here. And how did, how did he answer? He used his words. He slung his words at the devil. He used his authority. Amen? So we have authority over any and all foes that are trying to thwart the purpose of God. And remember that. Because, like I said before, people who don't know God and think they're doing their own thing, they're really being pushed around by the devil. They're really serving him. And so they're going to be walking out his plans. And when he sees you coming into an area that... He sees you doing God's plan. He doesn't like it. And he's going to do anything he can to thwart the plan of God and the purpose of God. And wherever your realm is, wherever you live, wherever you work, God has a plan for you. I'm not saying your job is God's ultimate destiny for your life. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but I'm saying when you're serving God and you're doing what you know you're supposed to be doing and, and wherever you're at, um, there will be a plan each day for you, honestly. And when you're walking out what God wants you to, then the enemy is not going to like it. And he's going to try to do things against you. So there's times when you, in your, your area, your atmosphere, your family, or where you work, you have to put your foot down. And I don't mean out loud, or you're probably going to get fired. You have to put your foot down 
and take authority over spirits in that area because they, they don't like you. They don't like what you stand for. They don't want you to have any victory. The devil doesn't want you snatching people out of his arena. He's enjoying pushing people around. He hates you when you take someone out of that, and he can't do it anymore. Absolutely makes him angry. You take your authority. I've had situations where there was just nastiness, just nasty uh, stuff people were talking about at work. And I realized, I'm like, you know, I'm not fighting against a person. It's not the person. It's the spirit behind the person or persons. And I'll just quietly take authority in Jesus' name. I just rebuke this. I'm not going to I'm not putting up with it. It's not going to be around me. And I've seen the whole atmosphere change. And it's like confusion happens. It's like all of a sudden, it's like they were banded together and causing chaos and causing nastiness at work. And then it just faded. It was like, what's going on? It was like their eyes were opened and... All of a sudden, I forgot what they were even doing, and, you know, it just disbanded. And sometimes you have to just take your authority, you know. It may, you may, not, it may not have anything to do with talking to someone. You just take that authority. It may be a situation like that. You change the atmosphere where you're at. You have that ability because you're there. You're there. And I'm not saying you can take authority over someone else's life and their family and different things, but your arena you absolutely can. Amen? So, since I really don't have any more time. So, like I said, don't try to use authority in places where you don't have it. Um, you know, say you're at work and you're, things are going really bad because you're dropping the ball. Well... <laughs> That's not where you use your authority. <laughs> That's where you say, Lord, forgive me, help me. <laughs> I need to do better. <laughs> That's called lazy Christianity. And I have seen people, I met people out at Bible school like that, you know, because they were, it was lazy Christianity, but then they were like, well, I'm supposed to get everybody saved here at work rather than do the job. And they didn't realize nobody was respecting the fact that they're having to do more work because they're not working. And it backfired completely, and they wanted to just take authority over that, and it doesn't work that way. That's not how it works. It sure would be easy, right, to just boom, 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 and not have to actually do anything. It's called lazy Christianity, and it doesn't work. So, like, I'll just rebuke my boss, and everything will be better. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. I hope the way I explained it, you understand what I was saying, though. So... Anyway, so we are made a king and a priest unto God so that we may reign on the earth. We are designed to reign on the earth. So if things feel off, maybe check up on, are you reigning? Are you reigning where you're supposed to be? So number one, meditate on what you have, who you belong to. Number two, exert your authority. You have to do it and only you. 
You have to. Number three, abide in the place. Abide, when you abide in the place of where God placed you far, far above. What does it say? And now I can't find it. At his right hand, in the heavenly places, far above. Principality, power and might and dominion, where you have jurisdiction, and every name that is named, you're far, far, far above. And you, it's a predestined place. It is for you. When you abide in that place, that means you, you remember, you meditate. The fact that you're there, when you do that, you will begin to walk out the authority God's looking for you to do. He's waiting to see you reign, reign like a king on this earth, and we can do it. Amen? So that's everything I have for you guys. I hope it encouraged you. I hope I explained myself good enough. I always tell Greg, I hate when I get done and I'm like, ah, I wish I could have explained it better. I'll try to do my best. But I know I gave you some scriptures that you can definitely run with this week. And, you know, that'll be part of your abiding in that place. Meditate on those scriptures. Remember what he's given us. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.